if you're pregnant and you're thinking, I want to prepare myself a little bit for matrescence, but there's so many unknowns because I don't know exactly what my experience is going to be like. I would listen to other women's stories, hear the diversity, but also the strength that women carry and that you carry. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 252 of the Well Woman Podcast. This is part of our pregnancy mini-series and one of our final few episodes before we go on a maternity break. This episode is with my beautiful friend, Nikki McCann, and we are talking all about matriescence and becoming a mother. Now, I had to reach out to Nikki, a beautiful friend of mine, who we journeyed together with the School of Shamanic Womancraft we met. And she is a matriescence educator, women's life cycle guide, podcast host, and also a mother. As a matriescence educator and guide, Nikki helps mothers navigate the often unexpected changes and challenges of becoming and being a mother, whilst simultaneously supporting mothers to explore the opportunities that mothering can provide for their own personal growth and expansion. And you're going to learn all about that in this episode. We are talking about what is matriescence. Nikki gives us a really good overview of how it relates to adolescence and what we can learn between the two to help us develop and evolve in becoming mothers, what we do if we're re-experiencing motherhood for a second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth time or more, (laughs) and the seasons of matriescence. These make complete sense to me. We also touch on the topics of postpartum, postpartum depression, pregnancy and termination, fatherhood, and how we can prepare to transition ourselves into motherhood. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor and a pleasure. And I'm so excited, mostly because I've wanted to talk about this topic for a long time. And now we're doing the pregnancy series. I was like, there's no better time than right now. But before we jump into it, I didn't preempt you with this, but I'm sure you will know. I always ask, I guess, tell us what day of your cycle you're on and how are you tuning in? So where are you in your cycle right now and how are you checking in today? So I'm in day seven and I'm very much feeling like an uplift of energy, feeling like more like I want to do a podcast interview, to be honest with you. If you had have asked me to do this like four days ago, I probably wouldn't have been as excited to be <laughs> to be um, talking. But yeah, I'm feeling a real uplift of energy, feeling optimistic, starting to kind of see where my energy wants to go for this cycle and what I want to kind of where I want to channel the energy that I'm experiencing or that I'm feeling to build because I think as we'll probably talk about talking about matrescence it's easy for this energy to kind of go in directions where maybe you don't want it to go so I've learned that kind of being in this phase of the cycle thinking about coming up to ovulation and the the um, energy building is being a bit more intentional about where I want to be placing that I, I tend to be quite intentional around the bleeding time but I feel like um, ovulation and, and dedicating that energy is also something um, really powerful to bring our awareness to. Mm, something I'm definitely missing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, 
I'm just getting a bit of FOMO listening to you. No. Let's be honest. I love that. But let's, before we do talk about this really beautiful topic of matrix essence, which I think a lot of people have no idea it's mm-hmm. even a thing. It's it's kind of like a mixture of multiple words together and it can be easily confused, I think. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about it, how did you get into, and I don't even know this story, how did you even get into this line of work? Like how did this evolve for you? You know, was it around becoming a mother yourself? And then you were now an educator on this. Like you teach other people how to be guides and educators on this topic now too. How did this evolve for you? Well, it's kind of came about, through a few different ways. And it's interesting. I feel like sometimes when you are at a particular point in your life, you can look back and see all of the threads that have maybe kind of connected you to where you are right now, even though they weren't very visible at the time. And one of those threads for me is that I worked in adult learning prior to becoming a mother. So I worked um, primarily for quite large corporate um, companies and not-for-profits around developing learning and development programs, training to help with whatever their organization was going through. So my background was really about there's a gap in knowledge and we're going to create some sort of like learning problem or solution to help people experience greater a greater sense of competency or control or to increase their well-being. There was always some sort of challenge that that was present that we would create something to to support people with. So I had that kind of learning and development background and I became a mother in 2016, was very shocked by the experience. I wasn't very prepared. I'd read, you know, that What to Expect When You're Expecting book and I had gotten the nursery ready and I'd bought a pram and I had a car seat, but I was really unprepared for the way that becoming a mother was going to change me as an individual. Mm. And I think I remember feeling quite kind of shocked by that. And that learning and development part of me was like, well, why aren't we talking about this more? And why isn't there more support and resources to help women through this huge transformation that we're going through? So I think the seed was kind of planted for me pretty early on. I, The year after my son was born, one of the things that had really been a, a part of my experience as a new mother was loneliness. I just moved to a new city just before I had my son and I didn't have any family or friends nearby. I didn't really have any connections. I kind of fell through the cracks in the system in terms of mother's groups and and those sorts of supports. So when he was a year old, I started a community to help mums in their mums find other mums in their local area for friendship and support. And that community grew really quickly, grew to 40,000 members within three years. I know. And it was a really wild experience because I had been, as a new mom, feeling very isolated around the changes that I was experiencing, around, you know, physically being isolated and, and not close to family and friends, to then kind of being a part of this community that was all around many other mothers who were experiencing those same feelings of feeling lonely of feeling isolated of feeling like they're not being supported so it was a really interesting journey for me it was healing in a lot of ways in 2020 that community was acquired by the center of perinatal excellence cope in australia who are a not-for-profit that work with new and expectant parents and supporting them through that emotional and mental social transition of becoming a parent and Sort of through that, through the work with mothers, I I came to realize that I wasn't the only one who felt 
sort of unprepared for the identity shifts that we experience when we become a mother or the relationship shifts or the changes in our body image or in our career aspirations. I heard these sort of repeating themes in conversations and it was um, one of the um, women that I connected with through through that community that sent me an article saying, have you heard about this? And it was a New York Times article talking about matrescence. And I remember just feeling like that's it. Like that's that's the thing that we're all going through. So in 2019, I ended up sort of moving my work into more of that uh, education and learning space and trying to create programs, uh, courses, podcast writing that all centers around supporting women through matrescence and the transformation that they experience when they become a mother. I now have a podcast called The Seasons of Matrescence and my own certification program called The Seasons of Matrescence that works with people who support mothers or who aspire to support mothers, whether they be women's circle facilitators, psychologists, occupational therapists, midwives, to train them about matrescence, to teach them how to support women as they're going through this shift and to raise awareness of the enormous transformation that women experience when they become a mother. Mm, I love hearing your story. Thanks for sharing. I was only just reflecting on the weekend, actually, you know, I just, just before we recorded this, I turned 37 on the weekend Mm -hmm. and I have been reflecting on like, well, what would the transition have felt like for me so far if I had have had a child 10 years ago when I was 27? And there's a lot of, you know, in the fertility world, there's a lot of push on like having children before 30 or 35. And, you know, if you're over 35, you're a geriatric mother and it's just hard for you and whatever. And it's interesting because being an older woman, it seems so weird for me to say that because I still feel so young, but being an older woman, I have so much more self-awareness and have seen so many other people go through the transition that I've learned from their experiences. But at the same time, if I had have been that younger version of myself and not having people around me who have been through a transition of like transition of friend groups or transition of you know, your lifestyle or your dynamic in your personal loving relationship with your partner changing too. I would, I don't think I'd be anywhere near as prepared as what I am right now. And I think that's such a big missing piece. And I think, you know, how old were you when you had your son? I was 29. Yeah. Right. So like I'm nearly, what's that? 37, 29, eight years older. And so the eight years of experience I've got on top of that, I think has really helped me, but there's always pros and cons to both, you know, cons to cons and pros to having a, a child, you know, around 30 and or, or earlier, and then also after, but there's no wrong or right. It's just what it is. And I'm very, it's, I've come to terms and I'm actually really grateful that I know my body and I know myself so well, because I don't think I would have been at all prepared if I had have been your age when you had your son or even that 27 age or whatever it was. So I know a lot of people listen to this podcast and they they think, oh, I'm, I'm too old to have kids or I'm in that old bracket of having children. That's what the medical world would say. Where does that fit for me? So let's talk about the transition of like what matrescence actually is because I'm sure lots of people don't really know. So how would you explain what is matrescence? 
Yeah, so matrescence is the developmental process that a woman goes through when she becomes a mother. So a really helpful place to kind of start unpacking what matrescence is is to compare it to the experience of adolescence and the words sound quite similar, matrescence, Mm -hmm. adolescence. So adolescence is the developmental process. It's the transition that someone goes through when they move from child to adult. Matrescence is the transition that someone goes through when they move from woman to mother. So there is a lot of similarities between the experiences of matrescence and adolescence. In matrescence, there's physical changes that are happening. So there might be um, bodily changes. There might be changes in terms of, well, there's definitely often changes in terms of sleep and rest. So how much rest you're able to access, vitamins and minerals that you're you're accessing. Brain changes is one of the really big significant changes that the researchers only just recently started telling us that women experience really profound changes in their brain during pregnancy. There's also changes in terms of body image, how we might um, see ourselves, how we feel about our bodies, whether that's that we have a greater appreciation for our bodies or that we are struggling to change, to accept some of the ways that our body has changed or is changing. There are also changes psychologically in terms of our identity, how we see ourselves, also how other people see us, how we're treated, what is expected of us within the culture. We're subject to different cultural norms and expectations when we become mothers. There's shifts in values. There can be shifts in career in terms of what we want to do in the future, what we're feeling pulled towards, what we're maybe feeling pulled away from. There can be spiritual shifts that we experience. It can feel like a deeper sense of connection to life or connection to something bigger than ourselves. There's a wide variety of different uh, changes that we can experience during matrescence, and they are quite similar to the changes that we can experience during adolescence where we're asking ourselves really big questions. Who do I want to be? What's the meaning of life? What do I want to do with my career? Where do I belong in the world? Who are my friends? Who are my people? So we can kind of talk about matrescence through that lens of what was it like for you when you were going through puberty? Did you feel that sense of disruption and a bit of turbulence? Can you also see that that was a growth process? So as you were going through that adolescent time where maybe there were some challenges and upheavals that ultimately it was pushing you forward and it was kind of you stepping into this new part of yourself Some of the things that are are different when we're talking about matrescence and adolescence is that adolescence ends. So we get to a particular point where we're like, okay, I'm an adult now, you know, and that takes a lot longer than we originally thought it did. We thought that you're an adult when you're 18, but as we know, our brains are still developing. There's still lots of shifts that are happening even into our 20s, maybe arguably longer for some people, (laughs) (laughs) maybe. But with matrescence, it's potentially lifelong and it reoccurs with each child. So every time you have a child or experience a pregnancy, you're going through a new phase of your matrescence. And I, my son is now seven and it continues on. This isn't something that's just about, you know, the early months and years that we kind of get a handle of this mum thing by year one. And we're like, okay, well, you know, I'm on top of that now. No, each phase that we go through with our children pushes us into our own phase of development. I've really experienced that recently with my son starting school. It's a whole new identity shift. It's a whole new kind of reckoning with some of the, especially the cultural ideals of what we think it is to be a quote unquote good mother. All in all, it's a huge transformation that we go through. It happens in many different layers in many different ways. 
it's a universal experience in that all women who um, have a baby experience matrescence, regardless of whether they're a stepmother, whether it's an adoption, they're all going to experience matrescence. However, how we each experience matrescence is really unique to us. So that's a really important point. It's a universal process, but it's a unique journey for each woman. I love I love so many aspects of that. It's so dynamic. Love the reference between adolescence and matrescence because <laughs> I don't think many people enjoyed their adolescence transition and wish that there was a little bit more support there, especially with for let's say vulva owners or those who menstruate, like transitioning and becoming a menstruator, like that's a big thing in itself, let alone all the things that go around that. And so all these things that are going around matrescence on top of giving birth and your body healing and changing in that way, like it's a lot. And I think I love what you mentioned that, you know, this still applies if you adopt or if you become a, I call them bonus parents, a bonus parent. I used to be a bonus parent and it's a whole journey. It's a whole journey and it's so beautiful, but also extremely challenging. And my yoga teacher would say, first comes shaking, then comes sweating, and then comes, you know, like fr- not freedom, but, you know, balance or ease or harmony. But you have to first shake and then sweat. So you have to work through the work. <laughs> so for people who are, you know, entering this motherhood journey for the first time, becoming mothers, how to how, what's the best way to prepare because you just listed off a huge list mm-hmm. of things that we're going to experience and i'm just listening to you going mhm yep feeling that yes definitely feeling the changes in my body awareness and definitely feeling the changes in my brain already mm-hmm. how can we be prepared i think this is something we could even explore in preconception care mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on this in preparing for this transition into motherhood Yeah. So for someone who's listening, who's potentially pregnant or trying to conceive their first child and you're hearing about matrescence, I would say the biggest messages that I would have is to be aware that there is a rite of passage, a developmental process that you're going to go through and experience. It has a name. It's called matrescence. You're not alone. It's not just you. It's not that there's something wrong with you or that you're just not as cut out for it as anyone else you're going through something that's really transformational. It's really big. And unfortunately in our culture, it's not often very recognized, but we're all doing a lot to change that. So the first thing is being able to name that there is something that's happening and that it's it's really profound and it also requires support. That would probably be my next piece is that as you um, pointed out, there's a lot that's unknown when you become a mother. I think that's one of the things we have to learn to tolerate as well as as mothers is that unpredictability of our experience and the lack of control as well sometimes that we can have. So with that said, I think if we don't know the exact way that our motherhood experience is going to play out, and we spoke about this earlier, Gemma, before we started recording, is that when you're pregnant, you don't know what your baby's going to be like. You don't know their temperament. You don't know what their sleep's going to be like. You don't know how you're going to feel. Are you going to feel like you want to get back to work? Are you going to feel like you want to take more time to rest? What's How are your relationships going to be kind of impacted or how are they going to experience this shift as well? There's a lot that we can't really kind of know until we're in it. So Mm. I think it really then becomes around having support to respond 
to whatever's happening in the moment. So that might be organizing people around you who also understand matrescence and who also understand that you're going through something that's really deep and profound in your life too, having people to support you with that and really kind of looking at this as a time that needs to be protected and supported. I align the I align matrescence to the seasons and I find that this can be right, quite helpful, particularly when we're talking about being in pregnancy. So looking at matrescence through a seasonal lens, through a rite of passage lens, we can align the phase of pregnancy as being a time of autumn. So this is the time when things are starting to shift and change. It's a transitional time where maybe having our energy kind of pulled inwards, where our focus is being directed more inwards than being sort of outward. This is a time when we know that things are changing, but we're not quite sure what the change is going to be just yet, right? We're preparing for the change. You can then think about postpartum as being a winter time. This is a time of hibernation, of being still, of rest. This is a time of receiving, not giving. So this is a time where there might be a sense of being in between who we were and who we're becoming. There might be a sense of needing to grieve as well, how things have changed and to to be with what is changing around us. Then we move out of the wintertime into a spring phase, which is around integration. This is when things are starting to maybe feel a little bit more solid. We're starting to feel a sense of ease. We can feel the light returning. There's maybe um, new kind of things coming to life for us. Maybe we're feeling like, some creativity bubbling up. We're feeling like a sense of greater clarity around direction and where we want to go. And then summer being the phase of returning with gifts. So whenever we go through a rite of passage or a transformation, part of the transformation underworld journey, if you want to call it that, is that we learn something about ourselves or about life. We have some sort of a gift that comes from that experience. And summer is about being able to recognize that gift and potentially share it with others if you wish to do so. If we're talking about rites of passage, again, one of the really big key teachings with a rite of passage is that a rite of passage isn't complete until you've shared what you've learned with the community. So part of what we do when we're um, experiencing a rite of passage is that we're journeying for ourselves as individual, but we're also journeying on behalf of our family. So it might be our family, our community, whoever it is that you want to kind of share that gift with, maybe there's something that you learn through your experience that changes then how you want to live your life as a family or that changes how you want to live your life as an individual. But there's some sort of a learning that comes through that experience. So if I was currently pregnant with my first baby, I would be thinking about it as I'm about to go through something that's really significant it's probably going to be a bit seasonal. I'm going to go into a postpartum time where I'm going to need to receive, be supported, rest. I'm also going to be visioning in this time. And then I'm going to come out the other side with some sort of a gift from this experience as well. It is so magical. I've heard of the seasons before, and I, of course, use the seasons of the menstrual cycle too, as you know that the seasons of life and the seasons within seasons and there's more seasons and there's lots of seasons. (laughs) There's so many seasons. But I really love the returning with gifts. And I think that's something I've I've really received as a gift from others around me who have become parents, like even us journeying through Four Seasons Journey together last year and being around 
not new mums, but mums, mum, mums again. I don't know if that's the right, 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 the right term, but mothers again, with very little babies and receiving their gifts and their sharing. And that might not have necessarily just been verbal, but also observation and learning by watching, just like kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so beautiful. And I love, I love that, that summer of blossoming and, you know, bringing out the fruits of your labor, so to speak, and sharing that with the world. It's so special. I've got three things that have come to mind. So I won't ask them all together because they're all slightly different. Mm -hmm. I think the first one that aligns best here is postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I am really sensing from what you're saying that if people are more aware of this transition, and more aware of how it can feel a little bit like adolescence, could that change people's postpartum, what's the most ethical way to say this, postpartum slum by knowing that that's the time to receive, not having to give to the world and that it is a transition and that there is a part of you from your past self that's dying and there's also a part of you that's growing into a new phase too. What's your thoughts, your sharing, anything that's coming to mind for you around people who experience postpartum depression or have in the past or those who are concerned, it's a fear for them moving into preconception and pregnancy that, oh, I don't want this part to happen. What can we do in that winter time of matrescence to like support ourselves? Yeah. So I think that experiencing postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety is an, is a very, unfortunately, a very common experience. And there's multiple factors that influence someone's likelihood to experience postpartum depression. So I think, you know, we have to talk about birth trauma, the fact that so many women are coming through the earth experience with traumatic experiences. There's very little support there. We need to talk about loneliness and isolation. We need to talk about the distribution of labor in the home. We need to talk about the lack of familial support, lack of maternity leave. There's so many different factors that are going to, yeah, that are going (laughs) to influence someone's experience. And we need to be able to sort of talk about and recognize all of them. Mm. One of the things that I would say is that one of the known risk factors for developing um, postpartum depression is loneliness and isolation. And that's why we kind of echo and talk about the importance of support and needing people in your life who are there to support you as an individual, not people who are there to cuddle the baby and have cups of tea on the couch, but who are there to help you and who are there to witness you and see you in your experience. For someone who is going into this experience who is concerned about experiencing postnatal depression, I would say it's looking at what support what support am I going to have in place once baby arrives and how can I maximize the support? Write down how much support you're going to need and then how can I get twice as much, right? And a lot of the time this can bring up you know issues around our willingness to ask for help our culture's kind of linking of success with individualism and being able to be hyper-independent and not need anyone. This is something that we all confront, I feel like, in differing ways when we become a mother, but we can't do it all by ourselves, regardless of how we've been told that as a woman, you can have it all, you can do it all, you can do it all on your own. We actually do need help and support. So I think that's probably the biggest message I would have for someone who's concerned about that is how can I resource myself as well as I can with support so that if I do start feeling like 
this is harder than I expected, I need some more help, that it's not then that you're trying to scramble to try and stitch together a support network, but you've already got some some supports there. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a lot harder when you're in those phases of of needing help, it's harder to put those support place supports in place when you're already struggling. So how can you do that now so that you can have that support there if you need it? In terms of whether or not understanding matrescence would reduce rates of postnatal depression, there are there is definitely um, people out there who have that opinion who say that Alexandra, Dr. Alexandra Sachs is one of them, who say that if we had greater awareness of matrescence, not just individual mothers, but also culturally, so we had fathers, partners, aunties, uncles, doctors, midwives, childhood health nurses, all having an awareness that a woman is going through a significant transitional point. And we know that transitional points offer both risk and opportunity. If we had a culture that actually said, this is a huge moment in your life and we're going to support you through it, I think we probably would see reduced rates of postnatal depression. And there are people out there who do believe that. I think, though, we can't also not talk about the other issues that we spoke about at the beginning. So we can't talk about things like birth trauma. We can't not talk about things like distribution of labour, lack of maternity leave, the financial impacts as well. So I think it's a multi kind of faceted answer, which often people don't like (laughs) because it's hard. Give me the pill and I'll take the pill and it'll all be better. But it's the truth and I think it's important to share that it's multifaceted because it's like someone saying, well, I just want to fix my period. I'm like, your menstruation is not going to be fixed with just one thing. Like it's multifaceted. And I, one thing I love to share with my preconception clients when I'm supporting them with natural contraception and fertility is that if you can tune into the time of menstruation as a time of postpartum, the one, maybe three days or two days or one day where you ask for help, you share the labor and you practice that on a cyclical basis, it means that you've already worked through or at uh, what's you might not have worked through it completely, but you're already addressing the confrontation of like asking for help, receiving help you know, voicing how you really feel. Like all of those things are so important. And I really feel that menstruation is a great preparation for postpartum. And I love that they both align with winter. That's really cool. (laughs) That's a great answer. Really, really good answer. And I'm just like, imagine if we all just lived in communities still. Yeah. I think it would make a big difference. A huge, huge difference. Unfortunately, We don't all do that. Some people do, but we don't all do that. My next one is around pregnancy that ends in termination Mm -hmm. because I feel personally having gone through my own termination experience in 2020, that there was a big autumn, winter, spring, summer reflection in that. And Mm -hmm. knowing a lot of people have listened, like they listen to my termination stories on my podcast. We've had a few episodes on that. They reach out, you know, in helplessness and hopelessness. They're like, oh my God, like, what can I do? Like, what did you do that helped? And like, can you just tell me all the things? There is no one thing. But I really feel that if I had have learned about this journey, even if it was a pregnancy, I chose to not continue. And I had the fortitude to choose that, that there was this autumn, winter, spring, summer transition. And I really feel there was a huge winter that came from that. And then there was like postpartum and then there was still a huge 
spring and an abundant summer that came from that experience, even though it was really traumatic at the same time. What would you say to people around maybe their first pregnancy being a pregnancy they're choosing not to continue and they're faced with this seasonal shift of matrescence? Like what, how does that show up for termination and abortion for pregnancy? And question. Thanks for asking it, Gemma. The experience of um, abortion or pregnancy loss is also a really significant experience in, in anyone's life. And it's really important that we have um, conversations and tools to be able to navigate these experiences as well. So from my lens, um, I experienced a pregnancy loss in 2020. And this was actually one of the really pivotal moments for me with the Seasons of Matrescence model because I believe, and I'm, I'm maybe you can speak to this as well, um, Gemma, that all pregnancies end in a birth, all pregnancies experience a postpartum, and they're all worthy of being acknowledged in a way that feels meaningful and right to the person who's going through them. So... For me, when I experienced a pregnancy loss, I this was what solidified the seasons of matrescence for me because I went through a really deep winter and it was another phase in my matrescence journey. And I was like, hold on a second, isn't it just meant to be that it's if you have a, a, a live baby and you go through a postpartum that you're going to be experiencing these shifts? But for me, I went through a really big process. So with the seasons of matrescence model and that idea that we're moving through these different phases, that model can be applied to any transition that we go through. So yes, pregnancy loss, it can be changing jobs, um, breaking up with a partner, um, having a rupture in a friendship. It can be any sort of significant shift that we go through. We're going to be somewhere within that kind of seasonal framework. So for someone who's going through a pregnancy loss um, or through a termination, they um, could certainly use the seasons as, I guess, a framework to hold them through that experience, to be with whatever's arising. And I think it's that kind of um, teaching that we're both very familiar with from Jane and her work is like being with what is. So if we're going through an experience like that where we are in a winter, how can we kind of be where we are? and lean into what we need to do in this phase. I think the um, the piece that you mentioned as well there is, is what feels right for, for us to be able to mark this moment in our lives. Mm. For me, I really leaned on ritual when I was in that winter um, piece. There were different things that I needed to do to keep my hands busy or to just kind of mark this moment for myself being able to accept that that's where I was, that I was in a postpartum period, that I was in a winter phase um, within the kind of seasons of matrescence meant that I allowed myself that time to be where I was, to be with what is, to mark it in a way that felt meaningful to me. So yeah, that's what I would kind of say about that. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I I feel that this is going to help resonate with a lot of people who maybe a uh, moving forward to having potentially their first birthing baby, but may have already experienced a pregnancy before. Mm-hmm. And um, I always find it funny when people are like, oh, you know, what, like, what number of pregnancy is this? I'm like, two. They're like, oh, so you've already got a child. I'm like, no. People are shocked. I mean, most people are shocked when you, like, when you say that. And 
I think we need to normalize that too, that, you know, it's okay to have had a pregnancy before, just not all pregnancies end with a birth, like with a birth, with birthing a, a baby that you have, that you move through to breastfeed and change it snappy. And I think that I love what Jane talks about that, you know, all pregnancies end with a birth. And for me, that really sunk in true. I was like, yeah. And the birth for me was I birthed a new business, but that only came through the fact that I was willing to be really deep in my winter. And I love what you mentioned is like just having something at that time that marks that transition and that just because you don't have a baby that's with you forever, you know, not necessarily forever, (laughs) nobody lives forever, but you know what I mean, is that um, it's really special to honour that time and I love celebrating that time every year. Um, I don't know if you do that for yourself. I always book myself in the day spa and I go and I have like three hours of like massage and sauna and you know, all of that, because it's just a, like an honoring of my body and what my body went through. And I think that it's a great demonstration for a lot of other people that it's possible to do that. It doesn't have to be shamed upon. Yeah. And I think it's all about like autonomy and agency as well in our choices around how we want to do things, right? Like for some people, and like for me, having ritual and doing the particular things that I did felt really good for me. For other people that might not work for them at all, that might feel like, no, that's too much for me or it just doesn't feel right. So I think it's about having conversations like this and being able to say, this is your experience. This is a really meaningful moment in your life. How do you want to go about it? What feels right for you? And having some sort of self-determination around how we want to approach these moments in our life. And I think particularly at motherhood, When you become a mother, there is a huge amount of advice that you receive and a huge amount of this is how you're meant to do things. So if we can turn around and say, actually, how do you want to do things and offer women the opportunity to tune back into themselves, to listen to their own inner voice and to let them that direct them forward, we can kind of counter the onslaught of information that is, targeted, marketed towards mothers around how they should be and who they should be now that they're a mother. I love all of this. We could just keep ranting on it forever. Um, thank you. I, a, a question I've got on my on my mind is you mentioned about um, matrescence being very similar to adolescence and the transitions can be have a lot of similarities. What about fatherhood? I know this isn't necessarily a podcast, you know, for men to listen to, but I know a lot of men do listen to the podcast. It makes me think about, I feel there's a huge missing piece and I'm sure you could speak for for your husband too, is I think there's a huge missing piece of opportunity for men when they go through this transition into fatherhood. And for my beautiful best friend, when I threw her a mother's blessing, I also threw her partner a father's blessing on the same day because I found, you know, I didn't know anyone else that did that, but he would, he was like, I want to be a part of this thing too, but I want to be with my men. I don't want to be <laughs> the group of women. Like, what can I do? And so I think this is also a topic that's really, really not spoken about. And I can see in Brenton right now, knowing that we're just past our halfway mark in pregnancy, man, he is bunkering down. He is like in denial. No, I shouldn't say denial, but there's a part of him that's a like, holy fuck, we're having a baby soon. And he's moving through his own transitions. He's having an autumn, I think. But but is there a word for transitioning into fatherhood as opposed to just transitioning into motherhood? And do these seasons 
also affect men too. Mm. Um, so in terms of um, there being a word to describe um, father's experiences, it's not an area that I've explored in a lot of depth. My work definitely focuses on mothers, but um, there is a word called patrescence, which I have seen some people use to talk about the experience of um, becoming a father. As far as I know, the research around it, it's fairly limited, but it could definitely be something for you to explore maybe if you wanted to do that um, with your partner. Um, if we, Even if we don't kind of label it patrescence, if we say that he would be going through a rite of passage with becoming a father, there is a separation from the way that things were and that can involve like a sense of grief as well. Okay, mm-hmm. things are changing. And then I'm going to go through a period where, It's like a winter, it's a transition, and then I'm going to come out the other side and this is going to feel like an embodied shift and I'm going to feel embodied in my role as a father and I'm going to be able to claim that identity and it's going to feel really solid. But there's that in-between phase, right, where we're like, oh, God, like I'm not who I was before, but I'm not quite yet who I'm becoming. I'm betwixt and between. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm in the challenge. I'm in the ordeal. I'm in that messy middle stage, the cocoon, the void, that womb space where everything's changing. Um, So again, we can kind of apply, I guess, the same sort of thinking that would say, well, let's look at support. Who do you have around you? Um, How can we mark this moment as well as a family, as well as individuals? Um, Because it is becoming a parent, becoming a father, from what I have seen in in my own husband's journey, it is a really pivotal moment. And there is a lot of reckoning as well for um, men around, well, how do I want to be as a father? How do I want to show up for my kids? What are the cultural scripts I've been given about what it means to be a father? What was my father like? What do I want to keep? What do I want to change? There's there's a reckoning that we're all going through um, and you're kind of going through it in co- coinciding like parallel to each other as individuals and then as a family unit too. Mm, beautiful words, really beautiful because <laughs> there's definitely a transition and it's like a pregnancy for them. But even though like we are pregnant, even though it's in my body, it's like we are pregnant, it's definitely the transition time of like, okay, well, what does the masculine want to do in the transition for this and preparing for the birth? And it's um it's just very interesting to observe and I can see the little the little things that are popping up and the preparation that's occur- occurring from his side. And um not that I'm yet to go through this, but I could imagine that it's kind of like, okay, yeah, this thing's happening. Yeah, it's happening, it's happening. There's like, holy fuck, it's happened. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Whereas, you know, for the birth carrier, the 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 woman who's gonna birth the baby, is that it's definitely happening. Like you know, every pregnancy brings slowly different transitions throughout every week, every day is slightly different and giving you messages. And I think the more body where you are, the more prepared you might become, but it's just a different transition into the the, the parenthood, I think. Um, but I love that you mentioned that because, yeah, I think that the dads and the fathers get missed out a little bit on, on these big topics that are so community-based and really also deserve that hey, they need to have postpartum. And I clearly said to Brenton, um, he's like, oh, I'm thinking about just taking a week or two off work. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I will change the locks on the front door. (laughs) I was like, this is the time for you 
to connect with the baby. Like I've had lots of connection with the baby. Like this is your time. Like, do you want to rush that? You know, just asking him the questions. Like I never thought about it like that. I'm like, because this is a postpartum time for you too. So um, yeah, very interesting. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing on this amazing topic. Um, I do have a final, two final questions. First final question I'll ask is, for people who are listening to this going, oh my God, I want to learn more about matrescence. Like how do I ev- like evolve more knowledge into this space and prepare for, for motherhood, whether that's motherhood again or motherhood for the first time, what's the best way that people can learn about it and then prepare? Um, so I've got a few resources that you can check out on my website. The first is an ebook called Discover Matrescence, which you can download for free. Um, I have a podcast called The Seasons of Matrescence, which has lots of conversations about the different um, kind of aspects of matrescence and also stories from women who have gone through matrescence, sharing their experiences, which can be really beautiful just to hear diverse experiences and to ease some of that sense of loneliness as well that can come up if we can hear each other's stories. It's such medicine for our own experiences. Um, So those would be two great places to start. Um, I have a program called Becoming, which is a self-paced program that guides you through exploring your own matrescence journey. And I have a certification program for anyone who's interested in doing this professionally. So if you're a doula or a midwife, um, occupational therapist, psychologist, that program is called The Seasons of Matrescence. Um, But I would say in terms of starting, just I think listening to other women's stories might be a really powerful place to start as well. If you're pregnant and you're thinking, I want to prepare myself a little bit for matrescence, but there's so many unknowns because I don't know exactly what my experience is going to be like. I would listen to other women's stories and hear the diversity, but also the strength that women carry and that you carry, maybe also exploring your relationship with adolescence. Mm. So if there was some themes in your adolescence that maybe came up for you, um, if you felt like you had some ruptures in your friendships or you felt like you really grappled with questions around identity, maybe just reacquainting yourself with that experience. What, how did you grow through that? How did you learn more about yourself? Um, What lessons can you take from your adolescence now to support you through your matrescence? I love it. Thank you so much. I was then going to ask you, so how can people connect with you? But you've already oh. shared all the things, all <laughs> the links to, to Dunstone. <laughs> all the links are going to be in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. So everyone can connect with, with Nikki and learn more about her work and also about this beautiful transition and journey in the seasons of matrescence. So Nikki, thank you so much for being a beautiful friend and a beautiful guest here. I'm so honored to have you on my life and to have mm-hmm. you educating this to the world, because this is like I would, and I, I know Jane says, you know, we are the women that the earth needs now, but like this is part of the work that the women of the earth, that, that we need now. And so I'm so glad that you're doing it and that you've been able to share a snippet of it with us. So thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Gemma. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. 
loved this episode, come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.